to play in the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Turn handle in left side. Finds a little bit of a hole, keeps his leg moving. He's across the 40, midfield, 45, he's on the run winch. 40, pushes the man, 35, look at him go. He's down to 20, 15, he could go. He is going to go. Touchdown, Seahawks. Oh, my word. A 67-yard run. Marshawn Lynch, unbelievable. The beast is alive and well. Wide receivers to either side. Russell takes the snap. He drops back. He's going to throw down the middle. He's got a man. Come on. It has been decided, maybe since the safety in the first quarter. 12, they're bringing the trophy home. Your Seahawks, Super Bowl 48 champion. Before we start this podcast, all of us at the We Talk Seahawks podcast would just like to take a minute to um, pay tribute to the late Alex Collins, who passed away this week at the age of 28 um, in a tragic accident involving a motorcycle. He was a fifth round draft pick by the Seahawks in 2016, uh, was with the Seahawks for two separate stints, obviously in 2016, and then re-signed in 2020 and stayed with the team in 2021. Um, contributed some big moments as well, scored a, a brilliant touchdown, as I'm sure you'll all remember, against the 49ers uh, to seal the game at Levi Stadium in that season. Uh, he, was a, he was a big player when called upon, we needed him that year, and he and he delivered for us. And um, it's uh, yeah, it's a real shame that we've lost him. Um, I'm sure all of you probably remember him best, as we all do, for his, his his trademark Irish dance and the celebration that unfortunately we didn't get to see enough of because it was brilliant and we all loved him for it. And um, I think we all just want to send our condolences to to everyone involved in it, the the first responders, the the other person involved in the crash, um, obviously Alex Collins and his family. And the Seahawks organization as a, as a whole uh, is 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 mourning the loss of, of Alex Collins. And it's um, it's a it's a real shame. Just 28 years old, taken way too soon and potentially still had a career ahead of him in the NFL or in, in some form of professional football because he was playing in the USFL as recently as last season. Uh, approximately two and a half thousand scrimmage yards in his entire career and uh, and about 19 combined touchdowns as well so um a really a really good player in his own right and yeah just a just a real shame pez do you want to say a few words um yeah well you've kind of pretty much covered everything it is it was a shot this shot when i woke up and seen that i was not expecting that mm. and uh it is sad like in the day he's not even 30 and yeah it's not nice at all not nice to see someone that young um yeah not not much more to add on to what you said mate no yeah it's 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 a massive massive shame massive loss and um all like i say i'll reiterate the point that all of us here at the we talk seahawks send all of our very best to everyone involved in this situation and uh may you rest in peace with the 171st pick in the 2016 NFL Draft, the Seattle Seahawks select Alex 
Collins, from, a running back from Arkansas. What do you guys think? able to pull that Irish dance off like you said. I know everybody's been wanting to see it, so I'm glad I got to show my teammates. On a brighter note, we are back. As you can see, the We Talk Seahawks podcast is back. Football is back. Pez is back, as you can see. Uh, back from his old day in Turkey with his brand new set of Nashes. Uh, as you can tell, yeah, they are lovely putting Colgate out of business. And um, and yeah, we're back to talk football again. Proper football. Seahawks is back. It's brilliant. And uh, we're back with a win. Back with a bang. 24-13 over the Vikings. Um, really impressive win. So had to had to overcome a little bit of adversity in the game. Down 10-0. Showed a bit of showed a bit of grit, a bit of resilience. They fought back under the stewardship predominantly of Drew Locke, who we're gonna get into as well, and that in his performance being a big part of that game. Um, but we've got loads of talking points coming out of this one that we're going to get into as our game reviews are back. It's it's it, yeah, it's just great to be saying that that football is back. Um, we've got loads to talk about tonight. But Pez, first of all, how are you, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. good. It's been a very long time. It's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. It's good to be back. Good to be back. <laughs> thought you were thought you were dodging us for a reason for a while. I thought bloody hell, he's you know he's off on holiday this week. He's got you know. Making all no, the excuses no. in the playbook. No, no, you know, fucking finding that vein in my wrist to try and get the itch back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, go fun, go fun. Yeah, man. Um, we've got loads to get into tonight. Obviously, loads of talking points, loads of players catching the eye in pre-season. Um, and we're going to start with one. Um, he's not a rookie. I, I thought, you know, you probably presumed I was going to start with maybe a certain receiver that we are going to get onto tonight. Um it's not a it's not a receiver so far that we're going to start with. It's Drew Locke, quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. Still saying that. Will we still be saying that at the end of preseason? Because there's a potentially a little bit of a battle going on at the quarterback position. I'll start with Drew Locke uh, for quarterback. You know, yeah, yeah, there, there might be, there might be. I'll start with Drew Locke because he made his case pretty, uh, you know, pretty em- emphatically. Um, played played excellently for me. Um, I was I was really impressed. Uh, the 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 one player that impressed me the most, aside from um, is 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 laser of a touchdown to ease up Winston uh, in in what was pretty much triple coverage. Uh, that was a, that was a hell of a throw, by the way. But I loved the throw, even though it didn't result in touchdown. The one way he showed brilliant pocket awareness, escaped the pocket, rolled out to his right, and tried to hit Matt Landers in the corner of the end zone. I can't remember the Vikings DB that made a play on the football, um, but he he looked. It looked like he has gone away and improved. He looked like a better version of Drew Locke than we saw in preseason of last season already, in my opinion. He looks like he's improved and polished some of the things that were maybe plaguing him. I think, to give him his credit, yes, he threw the interception, but I think Pete Carroll said in his, 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 his post-game interview that they believe it was a tipped pass. It was hard to tell from the angles that I've seen whether it was tipped, but it looks like it probably was tipped at the line of scrimmage. So then you can give him a benefit of the doubt for that. But aside from that, 
I mean, the, the, the touch and the poise on the throw to, to Bobo in the end zone over Andrew Booth was absolutely excellent. Um, the, the wheel route that he hit for, with, I think it was Bryant Kobach, the fullback. Um, Kobach, the fullback, that, that's got a nice ring to it. Um, on a lovely little wheel route, lovely touch on that throw, lovely lovely way of, way of pass. Um, he looked really good, and I was a bit taken aback going, you know what, I'm, I'm more, I'm, put it this way, he's not obviously not going to be QB1, but... If God forbid Gino was to go down and get hurt, I'm I'm more comfortable with the version of Drew Lock that we're seeing this season. He's feeling with more confidence that he could come in and play well and give us a better chance to win than maybe Drew Lock from 12 months ago. Is that fair? Yeah, definitely. He uh, he he he. The biggest downside to Drew Lock was you knew he could throw a good deep ball. You knew he's like. Like passing of the football was pretty sound. The thing he really struggled with was making the right decisions. It's like immaturity, like bonehead decisions he used to make. <clears throat> and it's like before you kind of watch the replay on the interception, it's like, oh, he turned into old Drew Lock again. And then when he, when JSM went for the one handed catch, lucky he did. Show his athleticism and do that, or else that probably would have been a pick again, because that was like sailed right. He was, they weren't on connection at all, and that was going right into the Vikings uh, defenders' lap essentially. So JSM, great athleticism, just essentially stopped the uh, interception. But overall, because I didn't watch the first half because I was on holiday, but I woke up and I was just led in bed and I watched a stream of the second half. And I was very impressed, very impressed. But I have said on this podcast before, James, what what is the dream I've had? I've had this dream twice. And the dream is that we're in the Super Bowl versus the Chiefs and it's Drew Locke at quarterback. He's beaten the Chiefs. And if he, that preseason sample we saw, if he can carry that on through the preseason, because I really do hope. On a side note, I really do hope they carry this trend on. It doesn't sound like it because um, Love is—is is it Jalen Love? Julian. Julian. Julian Love in his press conference kind of alluded to the fact that he's going to be playing some snaps against the Cowboys. Because I don't think he played any in this first game. But hopefully it's just like they did this first game in that first quarter. Give the starters a bit of a run out and then just let all the backups play the whole game. Just let the backups play the whole game. Um, and then maybe in the last preseason game, give the starters a little bit more. Because I've got a little point on the starters looks a bit more bit more fucking rusty than the backups and the third stringers, mate. Like, Mike Jack, on some of the stuff he did, he's like, he's just half in some some stuff, getting beat, like, to the sideline by Addison. Just... Did he look bad? <laughs> it's a layup. It's a layup. For fuck's sake, man. Hey, um, if you can't milk a name like Michael Jackson, then who can you? You know what I mean? Come on. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Um... But yeah, so, but back on to Drew. Um, yeah, there's not much more to add 
to what you said. You kind of hit all his good plays. He distributed the ball, the ball really well. When there was nothing there, again, his old thing was forcing it, forcing it, forcing it, forcing it. But he didn't. I think I was most impressed when he was in the pocket and that time was going on and it's like, oh, here we go. He's just going to find something and hope for the best. But no, just throw it away, throw it out, do a little dump off, do a check down, whatever. Yeah. Like not forcing it. And that was really nice to see. But before we get into individual players, I said this in our Discord. And again, a little shout out. Anyone who listens who hasn't joined our Discord, you can go on our socials and find the link for that. Little, we're just at the moment a small community, but it's great because it's not overwhelming. There's not too many voices in there all like shooting each other down. We just have an open conversation. No one, like everyone appreciates everyone's conversation. Great little community jumping on. Um, but I was saying in the, our Discord at the time, the thing I was most impressed about this game was our backups on our third strings. We looked like a unit. Mm -hmm. And now that might be a good thing. It might be a bad thing. But we just looked like we dominated the Vikings because they weren't like, it's like, it, it was like, like preseason is, it's like a load of mismatched players put together and let's see what they've got. Whereas we came on the field and even with the rotations, we looked solid. Everyone mm. looked like they knew what they needed to do and everyone was on the same page. And I, that's the biggest takeaway. I just wanted to get this at the top of the, uh, the pod is that impressed me the most. Yeah. And that's what I took away from that game. Like I've not heard anyone else speak about it on any of the like pods or anything I've seen. Is The biggest thing I took away from that game was how... how like how much of a team we looked yeah. and you're talking backups, third stringers, four stringers, and they, they, they just look like a unit. Mm. And that's very impressive because of all the times we spoke about for, for me anyway, the thing I want to see is we've got such a good rotation, but can this rotation, because inevitably you're looking at the rotation we had when we had a number one defense where you knew anyone could come in that team and they'd slot in and they'd, blend perfectly and I saw glimpses of that in that game and that really impressed me it impressed me more than anyone individual in performance because essentially that's what we're looking for these lads if they make the 53 they are essentially rotational pieces but we need them rotational pieces to work and that 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 was I just like like I said I just wanted to get that in because I think that was the most impressive thing for me yeah the rookies and like first timers and they all were singing off the same song sheet. Oh, that's a great point. Like I say, a lot of teams in pre-season, the, the, the backups look a little bit disconstructed and, and they don't, you know, like they've never met each other, which most of them probably haven't. Whereas, like you say, I think it's a good point that we, that whoever we put out there on the field, they look like a good, well-organised, well-coached unit. So that's that's positives to see. Um, staying with the quarterback, potentially a battle for quarterback two taking place yeah yeah you know you, you always criticize me for rolling my eyes so you know you, you might roll your eyes a little bit there pez but holton ehlers the undrafted free agent out of east carolina six foot three looks like a quarterback left-handed tebow-esque um the way he 
I mean, the two players that, that stand out are the, are the little quarterback draw play on the halfway line where he took off for about 20, 30 yards, whatever it was, up the middle, um, making people miss, showing a few wheels. And then the fuck it, Matt Landers is out there somewhere, so I'll just throw it up, touchdown. That was fucking amazing. Brilliant. <laughs> Backyard football, wasn't it? It's, it's what you love to see. Pre-season, um, let's make something happen. Fuck it, fuck it. If you've got a fuck freak it. like Matt Landers at wide receiver, fuck it, he's going to go up there and get it, isn't he? Um, so that was that was really fun to see. Obviously not an advice, so, but a fun one nonetheless. Um, but maybe, maybe a little bit of a potential gem that they might have found at the quarterback position that can contribute. When you look at his stats from Carolina, East Carolina, 14,000 passing yards in five seasons, 97 touchdowns, 37 interceptions. Um that is a 137 passer rating on his co- on his college career, by the way, uh, as well as 1,446 rushing yards as well. So, like I say, it's a smaller school. It's not, you know, it's not national championship school, but they're respectable stats. They're pretty impressive stats. Um, and potentially, I mean, he looks like, you know, he's got the right build. He's six foot three. He's a nice size, nice frame, got good, good wheels. A little bit like... What you're seeing with Dorian Thompson Robinson at the Browns, the way his pre-TTR, the way his first preseason game looked like, just a, a guy that he has really interesting tangibles, isn't a polished or refined prospect by any means. But you take a late round flyer, or you take him as an undrafted free agent, and just see what you've got. And he may be a, a quarterback two, a quarterback three. That might be all he'll, he'll ever be. But you know that there is value to it. Certainly, as an undrafted free agent, if you can find a quarterback who can come in there and potentially push someone like a Drew Locke, who, by the way, is an expensive backup. He's about the most expensive backup in the NFL, or certainly one of the most expensive backup quarterbacks in the NFL. So Halton Nailers will know that and think, you know what, I want to put as much of a headache into the Seattle management to say, can I force them into a decision? Can I force them into them looking at going, they can either pay me peanuts or pay Drew Locke, you know, a, a, a really expensive backup rate for maybe a quarterback that can offer them just as much big playability, you know, ability to come in and and and, and help us win games as, as Drew Locke can. I don't know. We'll see. You know, he's probably going to get even more time against the Cowboys. Gino probably isn't going to play anything against the Cowboys. It's probably just going to be Drew Locke and Holton Nailers again. Um, so he's got another great chance against uh, a legit Cowboys team and a legit Cowboys defence to, to go and show what he can do. So I'm... I'm I'm, I'm interested and in, uh, listen I like Drew Locke I like the guy but I, I don't know it, it feels like he has something about him this Holton Nailers and I just can't you know when you just feel like you've got something and you've got someone there and, and that's what I'm getting with Holton Nailers I don't know I might be getting too excited but I don't know what your thoughts are on him but I think you're getting far too excited with the QB2 situation but I do I, I've, I've, I'm, I can jump on board with your excitement <laughs> of the guy Um after seeing him, I understand why they've got him. Because he kind of he, he kind of reminds you of a, when he did that run and took that contact. He reminds you of a, like a Josh Allen. Mm. Now, beef him up a little bit because from well, my, I was watching it on my phone, so he might be a fucking tank for all I know. But in comparison, it don't matter if you're watching it. On the smallest TV, Levi Bell's a fucking unit. This guy wait, could you? looked like a stick. Just the comparison. So beef him up a little bit, and you might have a, like a 
a Josh Ellenig type person. Got to see uh-huh. what the, we got to see a bit more out of the arm. We got to see. Don't think he touches Drew. Pete and John love Drew. Like them two are sticking. But didn't the NFL create that new rule where you can carry three quarterbacks? Now, uh-huh. I, I watched him and I thought I understand why they picked him up because I think he can learn a lot from Gino. So I definitely, unless he starts like gets more time and starts like having an overall stinker, I think they'll just keep him on practice squad. Because mm. really, if you look at the league at the moment, there is no team out there who they really need to fret that are going to take him. So let him play. But I think, I do know what you mean. I do know what you mean. First game buzz, there could be something there. I think he'll definitely be sticking around practice squad third QB, like, I think he'll definitely be staying on the team. I can see why they picked him up, because he's, like, his body type and, like, just watching him, he just, like, I think he can learn a lot of Gino. So, yeah, yeah. we'll have to see. We'll have to see in the second game, won't we? We will, yeah. See if he gets more playing time. Yeah, I imagine he will. I think they'll probably split it half and half this time. I think it was pretty much three quarters lock and, and one quarter Ehlers. I think it'll probably be two quarters each this time. Maybe give give Ehlers that, that extra time to maybe put something in, in their minds. But um, I can't wait any longer. We've got to talk about the main guy of pre-season that's dominating every headline and is on the name of every Seahawks fan's lips at this moment in time. And that is the one and only Jake Bobo, the wide receiver, another undrafted player, undrafted wide receiver out of UCLA, formerly of Duke as well, spent his final season at college at UCLA. Um, again, another guy who's been overlooked potentially during, well, he has been overlooked during the scouting process, um, through the college process, all of it. He's come to the pros, he's got an opportunity with the Seahawks and all through training camp and into the first preseason game, he's consistently been showing what he can do. And I tell you what, like you say, the 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 routes he was running. He's not a speedster. He doesn't kill you with his speed. But we we talked about this potentially on on a previous episode with Josh, and I remember it was in relation to Noah Fan and would they go with Disley or Fans? And I made the point that they they'd probably go with Disley because we've got field stretches, we've got speed on on the perimeter. We not we don't necessarily need another speedster at this moment in time. What we could with is a polished route runner I know you've got one in, in JSN as well and, and I'm not saying Lockett and DK can't run routes but just a pure technician who gets open fine like Adams like a, like you know if, if at the top of the the NFL pyramid in terms of route runners it's Devontae Adams isn't it not a speedster but it's, he just kills you with his route running ability um, and if we can find someone like that not I'm not saying he's on Devontae Adams level obviously some Seahawks fans are but I'm not um but if he can just be a, a really technical route when I get open, um, he looks like he has a real legit shot of making the Seahawks team. Obviously, the Eskridge situation is 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 that, you know, he's, he's suspended for the first six games and potentially may not be on the Seahawks roster anyway um, after those six games. Um, but there's a massive opportunity now for, for both him and Matt Landers and, and whoever behind Cody Thompson, all these guys vying for that wide receiver four, five, six spots that are all open for them. And surely, surely Jake Bobo gets wide receiver four, at least in my opinion, uh, from what he's shown in training camp in these preseason games. He 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 can't not earn a spot, can he? Yeah, yeah. He, he performed in training camp. He had a good scrimmage game. Uh, add this on top. 
add the fact that Derek Young mm-hmm. has got his injury, and the longer he stays out, and the longer Bobo performs, yeah, at this moment in time, it's trending. He's got to be snapping up that wide receiver four spot. I can um, guarantee you, you have drafted him in at least one of your fantasy, haven't you? He's a sleeper. You've drafted him as a late round last pick, haven't you? I know you have. Hundred, hundred round. Um, after that game, I went straight on my hundred round best ball are. league. Bobo, Bobo, Landers, all of them. Why not? Wild. Why not? Ailers, let's go. Yeah. Um, I, I'll tell you, uh, uh, this is probably going to be uh, uh, the most embarrassing thing. I say I'll do on this podcast, but let me tell you, Pez, Bobo is for sure, sure, making the row row. Oh, for fuck's sake. Are you having Jesus that? Christ. Well, let's edit that out, mate. That was Jesus. No, I'm not editing it. I'm not editing it. Jesus I'm not editing Christ. it. I probably will. Right. I'm going I'm going away for another two weeks. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> we'll, we'll probably talk more in depth with about Bobo on our rookie watch um, with Mitch. Yeah. Um, he's got a really interesting take about Bobo. So I don't want to steal it, just to juice you all up. But he's got an interesting take about how they could use Bobo. Well, yeah, we could like it's something we could definitely get on board with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like for a guy who's slower than your gran at a 40, he destroyed it was a booth, wasn't it? Yeah. Second round booth. pick booth. Second round pick from last year. Mm-hmm. And he routed that fucker up, didn't he? Like, he did. For a guy who's apparently got no speed, he had he had yards of separation just off the line. Like, that is a steal and a half. He just knows. He just knows what to do. Yeah. He just knows how to run his route, be in the right position, and just take what he's given. Don't try too much. Don't get cute. Because he took one like um, I think it was like a short pass, and it was like on the sideline, and he got he got wrapped up, and he just like conceded it, just like yeah, just got thrown out. But like I like that. It's like lock it, just getting the ball going down. Don't risk anything over the middle of the field. Just do what you need to do to move the chains, get the yards we need. Uh, so yeah, really impressed, really impressed yeah. with him. By the um, way, you haven't met me, Nan. My Nan can move. By the way, yeah, you should see how fast when she comes into my house. When she comes round, how fast she runs into the living room to find me to show off her latest cookies that she's made that I can have. So she's got wheels on her. So you oh, know, send me some. Put, oh, send well, me I some. Might do, yeah. uh, put some respect on her name first, and then you might get some. Um, you need to put some respect on this guy's name as well, because I've been telling you ever since we drafted him, Zach Charbonnet. Um, I'm drinking all that Charbonnet um, all the way to the bank cashing all these receipts this kid right one minute can I start this one as long as it's, as long as it's positive thoughts. no I, I liked what I saw but there's a but when I, yeah see there it is there is a but there is a but because my concern with Charbonnet and this isn't me saying he's a bad player this isn't me getting back into the old Ken and him, even though I need to see more from him. I want them to play him more. Like, I know um, he not long from coming back from that first game, but hopefully with that game and then a full 
think he'll get more snaps in the second game so I can truly see what he's about. But my biggest concern with Charbonnet was, yeah, yeah, he can, when he gets through and he, like, you saw them plays and it's great. It's great. You've seen the potential. That's what we want to see. And as he gets used to the NFL and through the season and into next season, he'll refine it, get better at it. The, the thing what concerned me when I watched some of his college highlights was sometimes, yeah, he bulldoze one or two, but then he, he, he either like break away, get caught quite quickly. Obviously, no knocking him. It, like, he's granted he's not like the biggest like speeds to like him and Ken, different speed. It just, I don't know. I just feel like transitioning from college to the NFL with him, it might take him a little bit longer to, you know, get used to, yeah, I'm going to break your face, but then that defender next to him, he's not going to have as much luck with bulldozing the second guy in the NFL. So do you know the whole dynamic of him and Ken bouncing off each other and, you know, using each other to be dynamic? I don't know whether he might, it might take him a little bit longer. I just saw little things in this game. Obviously, I'm nitpicking. But it's just a concern I had when I watched him in college. And I kind of saw it in this game where, yeah, it's great to see him bulldoze it. That's what you want to see from him. But then it's almost like he got took out. And then he had a he had a a gap on one of his runs. He had a gap, and it was wide open for him to break through it. And it's just like he just it's almost like he didn't see it. And I'm being highly critical. First game being highly critical. I don't think he had anywhere near enough of the ball. But I don't know. I just it's not a case of me judging him. Before you think it's me judging him, it's me saying, is he going to? Show his potential straight away, like you, like you think you think he's going to show it straight away. I don't know whether it's going to take him a little bit longer than people think it's going to take him. You know, to start showing that potential, is it then going to hinder that whole dynamic dyna, dynamic duo we want out of them two? I see what you, I, I I take your points. I take your points. I I think he'll transition. Just fine. This is my I just like I say I take your opinion. That's fine. Um, it, there's no right or wrong here. We don't know, and nobody knows for certain. This is just our opinions. Uh, my opinion at this stage is that from what I've seen, I think he will transition quickly. I think he'll make the step up quickly, and I think you'll start to see the Seahawks operate an Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon kind of backfield with Ken and Zach Charbonnet. I think that's what the mold or what they'll be trying to model the way they partner them both off each other. Uh, I haven't seen the, the success that the Packers have had running Aaron Jones and, and AJ Dillon together. Um, I think that is what the Seahawks will be trying to to emulate. I think that's a, a pretty pretty good partnership that they'd like to emulate. Um, but yeah, I, 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 look, I, I think I, I, I'm just waiting for him because I, I understand what you mean, I, but I under, I'm just waiting for him to 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 just break something off and just show something to where people like yourself who are still a little bit, you know, reserved, a little bit taking it with caution, could just just that sort of euphoria moment, that sort of, yeah, not euphoria, eureka moment, fucking euphoria moment, um, that kind of bit where you, you 
not not where you sort of come round to it or your eyes open or anything like that, but the, that that point where you go, okay, that's 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 what he's on about. That's Zach Charmin, and, and and he didn't do it against against the Vikings, like you said, didn't get many opportunities, but it's coming. Whether it's the Cowboys, whether it's the final preseason game, whether it's Week One, I don't. But it is coming. He's too talented. Um, I, I think he'll transition just fine, and I think. That big play, that big highlight play is just around the corner where everyone kind of goes, okay, Charbonnet is legit. Um, and I think he'll show it sooner rather than later. I have seen, see, because the funny thing is, you mentioned Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. I really hope it wasn't the version of them two last year, because AJ no. Dillon was shocking. But the year before... That's what I'm on about. That, that, that would be really good. Um, I just... Oh, you said something where I was... The, the thing with what I'm saying is it's almost like I'm... Like, my pressure doesn't mean anything but for our podcast. It's almost like I'm putting more pressure on him to succeed because the whole Ken soft tissue injury concerns me a lot. So it's almost like I'm saying he has to step up because we can't... like. With the way Ken runs, he, like he's got to have a fully healthy leg, or else that will keep on coming back and back. So, with him being fully efficient, we essentially do need Charbonnet to hit the ground running, mm. like straight away, type thing. Um, and it is great. It's great to see his two plays where he just absolutely smacked that same guy. That guy got done first time, and he definitely in his head was like. I'm not getting fucking body this time. I'm going to show him. I'm going to put, nope, there's me on my ass again. And you love to see it. You do love to see it. But at, at, at this moment in time, and this has been very critical, I still do think it's going to be heavy Ken. Injuries dependent. It's going to be heavy Ken. And not, not as much Charbonnet for the majority of this season. And... In a way, I want it to be like that. And that's not just because of my love for the boy, but it's because if we do succeed like we all think we can, you want to almost, it's, it's this weird thing, you almost want to keep Charbonnet fresh, don't overload him, let him go through the season and build into the season. And then at the back end of the season, when he's getting full going, then you can rain Ken back in mm. and if we are like looking playoff push and stuff like that rain Ken back in rest Ken use Charbonnet and then in the playoffs then you can go back to the formula of high usage of Ken use Charbonnet as the bulldozer type thing pass pass catching bulldozer um whichever way you spit it it's still interesting it's still good I just want to see more of him now I want to see he must be legit because I trust your hype. Thank you. If you're hype about a guy, I trust it. Even though it could affect my boy, I still just believe that because Charbonnet is there, I think Ken's going to have an even better season this year. I, I, I think he will too because I think Charbonnet is going to be used to soften up defensive lines and, and then you bring Ken on when once they're a bit leggy and, and a bit sick of Charbonnet running running through them all the time and, and holes and gaps start to appear more frequently and then you put Ken on and he starts breaking off more runs and I think he'll go for more yards 
this season than he did in his rookie season, Ken, if he stays healthy because of that, because we've got a true running back two there, kind of 1A, 1B, to really soften up defensive lines for him, which he didn't have last season in his rookie season. It was purely pretty much just, Ken, we need you to to, to run it first down, second down, third down. It, it, you haven't, he didn't have that guy next to him to come in and, and help him out, really. Whereas now mm-hmm. you've got a, a, the, the ideal guy in Charbonnet to come on and, and help him get as many yards as he possibly can. So I agree with you in that sense, yeah. Because um, re- realistically, what I want from these two, what would make me more happier than anything is I don't want an AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones, because my AJ Dillon's a bulldozer, but I personally don't rate AJ, AJ Dillon yet. After last year, where he got the opportunities and faded, I want to see these two be Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram. And I Alvin like Kamara was a rookie. Because mm-hmm. them two just destroyed everyone. It didn't matter who you put on. They just fucking dominated. And mm-hmm. that's essentially, in my head, is what I want. I want domination. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know what's interesting, actually? I heard on a podcast, a stat, that um, obviously with Chauvin, his running ability, everyone's like, like, this is kind of a bit of a fantasy thing, but also is actually related to true football is everyone's like, oh, Chauvin is the power back. So in the in the red zone, he's going to be the lead back. So like fantasy, everyone's like, oh, Ken's going to lose out on all these touchdowns. But Chauvin actually wasn't that good in the red zone himself. Now, with that being said, Ken wasn't that good last year. Chauvin wasn't that good in his college. I can't remember what the stat was. Was it his last year in college? Um, and then you kind of got a question and go, do we need the, a third back? Can we trust a DJ Dallas to come in in the red zone and punch it in? He's done it before. Or it was it just a case of last year, a lot of Ken's stats of these stats where they diminish his work was, oh, yeah, but he had this, that and the other. But no one talks about the... 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage, he was dancing around to try and make something work and get two. So now our whole line looks stronger. Is that all we need to not be concerned in the red zone? Mm. We've kind of, we've proper gone off, we've proper gone off on a tangent It's here. your first one back. It, it's it's and, tradition. I'm, I'm trying to think if I've gone off on the tangent, but we're almost, we're not talking game anymore. We're talking actual oh. running back position. <laughs> in the, I'm back, it, guys. It was I'm in back. the context of the game. It was in the context. And we've yeah, gone yeah. off a little, you know, we've took a little slip road off. and we're, But we're coming back on now. We took a wrong turn. We're coming back. The sat yeah, yeah. on. We're coming back. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and your love will never. The Chardonnay, you know, the Chardonnay's back down. We're back the on. The Chardonnay's back down. Yeah, we're sobered up. Um, your love for DJ Dallas will never waver, will it, by the way? I uh, have Wolf Grey jersey. DJ Dallas. I love that man. Well, it's no use now because Wolf Grey is a uh, fucking shit can now. We're not using them anymore. So it's a well, it's an ornamental it's piece now. Vintage. Though. Vintage. Vintage. Yeah, yeah. Vintage. Probably, yeah, whatever. Are we um, going to... Um, whilst we're on the running backs, um, because before we came on air, you hadn't seen this play. Um, so we had Colbeck, Colbeck and... Um, oh, God. Sir Roderick Thompson Jr. Now, 
Colbert did uh, some nice things, and I know you have seen them, so I'll leave you can preach a bit about him. But because you haven't seen this run by Thompson Jr., I just wanted to speak a little bit about him. And obviously at the top of the show, I was always going to mention Alex Collins, and it's weird, like, obviously with the sad news about Alex Collins, but I was, oh, he was my comparison for Thompson Jr. Mm. Because he got called back. That's why you probably don't, you've not seen the play on the highlights because of a hold. But he, he, so a bit like what I said about Charbonnet, there was a gap and he just didn't execute the punch. Mm. Like, is that his skill set? We don't know yet. He's shown it in college. He's shown he can get that gap and go. Um, he didn't in this game. Many factors could have led to that first game, nerves, anything. But Thompson Jr. almost had the same situation. He found that gap and he was gone like fucking lightning. And he just reminded me of like an Alex Collins-esque player. Now, I love DJ Dallas. I still think he improves every year he comes back. He's a grafter. He always just improves bit by bit by bit. But is, is there room for a different style of running back for us? And I believe from that game, Thompson Jr., like Colback did some really nice things, but I, I look at Colback and think he's just like a Ken Charbonnet type. He's a thick-bodied, pass-catching running back. But we have... What's his name? McIntosh. McIntosh, who's very similar. So mm. I think that kind of dis, that kind of already puts Colback on the back foot. Mm. Whereas Thompson Jr. brings something different. He just brings pure by well, that play. He only did three snaps and that was one of his plays. And to make an impression, he just had pure speed, punched a hole and went. And he, he just sounds like, of, Yeah, well, he's he sounds like a potentially a candidate then for maybe a fullback role because obviously you've got four running backs there in McIntosh, Charbonnet, Walker, and Dallas who are probably going to be your RB fours. Um, you know, I don't Bilo, think he's big enough. No, I'm just thinking if, if Belos is now we're saying he's a linebacker at slash special teams, is there potentially a spot open for a fullback to come in and and I'd, take? I just so out of them lot, if anything. That, like, obviously, I watch it on my mobile phone. Mm. So, the screen's like, I'm not seeing it on a big TV, so size might be a bit um, disproportionate. But, callback of any of them would, callback probably could fit into that beefy, stocky, fullback role. Um, but if we're talking fullback, and we'll get on to him on the defensive side of the ball, but Levi Bell is... Well, let's go uh, to him. Come on then, let's go to him because we've been waiting long enough. Let's talk yeah. about him. Right. So my crush of preseason, like I think someone on Instagram put a picture up of him, but I kind of saw it and was like, oh, he's a fucking unit, and I didn't think much else of it. I watched this game and I just kept on seeing this big motherfucker with belt on his back, in on every tackle, rushing round like sometimes like a flash at his size and. I, it, it zooms in on him. I'm like, that that motherfucker fills them pads. And so I started watching him more and more and started like honing in on him. Now, 
in our Discord, it was brought to light that he was he either coming into the draft or in college, he was registered as a fullback because of his because of his speed. He's a uh, he's five eleven, two hundred and sixty two pounds from Texas State Bobcats. His forty yard dash was four point five nine. His short shuttle was four point four. Vertical jump was thirty seven point five. Broad jump was ten point ten seven. Free con was seven two five, and then his bench press was thirty three. And you just saw it in his. I think it was in his sack. He just looked like he'd got in the backfield off lightning. Yeah. Like he impressed me. He is my preseason crush. Like mm. I'll be watching him every game now because he has another game like he did in that game. If he has another game against the Cowboys like that, I think he's solidified himself mm. as. Uh, like 15 I think if he has another game like he did that game I don't think they'd have a choice to not put him on the 53 I think someone will pick him up yeah the only the only saving grace is everyone's got a cut from 90 to 53 so there's going to be so many bodies on the market you might be able to hide him Mm. but he brings something different like I said in the preseason for me I didn't want Will Anderson because we'll watch his tape like I'm not a like I'm not an in-depth like I always say I'm not a technical in-depth guy about positioning and all this shit. I just watch the tape. Like I watch film. I watch their highlights. I watch them in a game. And uh, Will Will Anderson is so like he just reminded me of like a Daryl Taylor in the Walsu type. Mm. That's why I'm really high on Derek Hall in the draft because he brings different. Levi Bell brings different. He is thick. And he runs with speed, but also well, shit load of power. Yeah. And I'd love to see him on the 53. If he, if he puts another performance like that in against the uh, Cowboys and he plays the majority of the game and they show that confidence in giving him loads of reps and they don't rotate him out as much, essentially treat him like a starter, mm. like that to me would, and he has a really good game, that to me would show really good signs. Um a quick side note on the and also with the fullback thing. Just keep him on the fifty-three as a fullback. Nick Below's the special teams captain. Just special teams, Nick, you're old as fuck. That's how he makes it on the fifty-three, I reckon, by putting him in as a fullback and then slash edge type yeah. player. Um I'd like to give an honourable mention on the D line out of the rookies to Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Like I'm talking undrafted, sorry, because obviously we had a lot of rookies and I don't want yeah. people to think, well, what about Matthew and all these? Like, I'll let you deep dive into them, but them two, when they play together, they just bring something different. Ferguson's just raw power, just bucketing the line. Yeah, it's a second, second stringers, backups, whatever. But again, it, at the very start, what I said, they just looked like they knew the script. And they and people can say, yeah, but did that not give them easy access because the Vikings didn't? Well, no. Like they took advantage of them yeah. not looking solid, but they dominated. It's not like they just got an easy, you know, oh, I'm walking free here. They dominated their guy and bullied them. Yeah. Like both of them. Pure power. But I think Ferguson would need to work a lot harder, but still, I'd 
definitely like to see in practice squad. Again, I, I just want to see that rotation. It, it yeah. builds a nice picture when people say, oh, we're so weak on the D-line. These guys performing like they're performing. Uh, it builds a nice picture. Like maybe by game week three, if Levi Bell has another really good game in the second, he maybe could start mm. put him against a starting goal line. Can he do that against a starting all line, or is he basically is he level second string? Mm. Like that, that's the kind of trajectory I'd like to see with him because I think we could have a we could have a fucking steal on our hands there. Yeah, uh, uh, on on Levi Bell, um, I think he's 100% making the roster in my opinion. Um, I think he will have another good game against the Cowboys, and I don't know if you've seen. I think it's linked on his Twitter, um, on his official Twitter, but he has a link to some of his like all 22 college tape um and what i love about him is he can he lines up everywhere he's yes he comes off the edge predominantly i would say he's coming off the edge but he's lined up as a defensive tackle on there on on some of the some of the highlights that he's got on there he's lined up as a linebacker dropping back into pass coverage he does everything um in his college career um edge like say interior d-line linebacker he can do it all he's shown he can do it all he can, he's comfortable and happy playing those positions and then like i said i didn't know about the fullback thing so now you throw a fullback in and okay like you said like like that the, the famous phrase goes you know jack of all trades master of none but as a non-drafted free agent that that if, if you are a, a jack of all trades you don't have to be a master of, of, of anything to to, to prove value and to provide value and like i say can you imagine him on special teams you know we we in seattle love special teams pete carroll loves it the coaching staff love it they're one of the best special team units in the league consistently they put a lot of effort into it and a lot of a lot of time in finding the right guys to get on that unit um and you see it every kick return it, practically every single one from the past however many seasons we're thumping people on on the kick return we absolutely light people up um, and Levi Bell running full steam at you on a on a kick return, you know, as the other speed as well. He's got, he's got speed, speed, power. I I can see him clattering some poor kick returner, causing fumbles, causing you know just something like that. He can, he can make plays on that for me as well. So I think the love is versatility. The love is power. He seems like a decent character as well. Potentially, they're good like roster guy, good locker room guy. Yeah. Um, so I think he's got a lot of things going his way. And listen, you can never have too many guys at pass rush. You can never have too many options. Um, so I, I, I look at him as he could be our, our new, like, Puna Ford, undrafted guy yeah. who, like, gets some rotation this year and then has a breakout year. Mm-hmm. Like, and everyone's like, oh, who's this guy? And it's like, because I just, he's just, like you said, I was just impressed. Yeah. You just look at him like you just I just looked at him and I was just like I just got that feeling of he could be an absolute monster if given mm. a chance. Like yeah. if given an opportunity he could destroy people. You, you can just see that he, he he sets himself apart like there's guys a lot of guys his size but not too many guys that I have seen either trying out for the Seahawks or anything like that can can explode off the line of scrimmage the way he did for that sack and some of the other reps. And like you say, if you watch some of his college film, the way he explodes off that line of scrimmage, that is, it, it's different. It's, it looks a little bit different to what you tend to see for someone his size. So I think... JJ Watt 2.0. Yeah. 
Hey, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. Um, but listen, yeah. Move call it right now. Call it right now. Get your slogan in. First one back. Cut um, tomorrow. Fuck <laughs> <off>. <laughs> um, I was quite impressed as well with with Devin Bush from what I've seen. Um, not so much in the highlight tape. I've gone on, on Twitter and stuff like that and seen some of the analysts breaking down some of the film. And Devin Bush looked really solid in pass coverage from what stood out to me. He looked mm-hmm. like he dropped into pass coverage really well. It's a little bit of a of a weak spot with our linebackers that we've talked about in recent years, since Bobby went really. Um and even, you know, before he left, there was starting to question marks were starting to be thrown out there about his, you know, pass coverage ability, which I don't think is a problem. But that was, you know, people were starting to question it as he ages, whatever. Um, but certainly with people like Jordan Brooks, I know obviously we, we champion him on this podcast. Um but one of the big question marks since he's come into the league has been his ability to, to drop back into pass coverage. Can he cover runners in the open field um, and, and can he cover pass catches? And Devin Bush looked like he was quite comfortable doing it. Again, look, you take it with a pinch of salt. It's the Vikings, backups predominantly and, and third strings, whatever. Um, but I'm more looking for the, the fundamentals, the footwork, the, the player recognition. Where is he positioning himself? What's he seeing? And it looks like he was reading it pretty well and he looked pretty comfortable and I just think he, I, 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 he, he, he's the ultimate reclamation project. He's exactly what you want. A former first-round pick, got all the talent in the world coming out of college, doesn't work at Pittsburgh. And I just think they've got it spot on with him, bringing Bobby Wagner back in, a, a, a true, true Hall of Fame legend of the game at, at the linebacker position to tell him, you know, because I, I have no doubt Devin Bush will be saying, oh, this is what we were taught to do in Pittsburgh. This is what they wanted me to do. This is what, if you see this from the quarterback go here, you know, different linebacking coaching techniques. Bobby might be saying, you know, listen, I don't agree with that. This is how we're going to do it here. And and just a different set of eyes on him, different experience. Um, it was the injury, wasn't it? It was the injury and it, they never seemed fully invested in him after that or or whether it, he, he just wasn't confident on it. Like like we said a bit about Quandria Diggs when he got that injury, will he be confident on it to be the same player? Looks like he is now. But maybe... Maybe he is, and I, and I like him. I think, uh, yeah, I like him as well. Um, I think as well, I think, because like this whole stupid, fickle NFL thing, he's a first-rounder. He has to be out there. We have to prove his worth. We have to prove we spent the right capital on the right person, so we need to force this to work mm. and maybe not giving him enough time to fully get back. But anyone who still doesn't have really know about Devin Borsha is a bit like, mm, go and watch his college tape Michigan, and you'll see what potentially we could really have in that guy. If he, so he says he feels the best he's felt since his injury, and they, they do take this type of timeline to start feeling fully healthy again, if mm. we get Michigan Wolverines, Devin Bush, again, we've got a fucking steal on our oh. hands. But that's a first-round product, and he is a first-round talent. With everything to prove, mm-hmm. and he looks. And when I listen to him talk and stuff, he looks like he's coming here, not to go, not essentially to be a clowny esque. Like I'm first rounder. No, pay me this. I'm this. He's like, I've got, I've got, like, I want to prove people wrong, type mm-hmm. thing. And with Jordan coming back, with Bobby back. He's in the best situation he could oh. he could really be in, and he's really like 
it's a really interesting for the linebacker room being so thin. Um, I feel like there might be a sneaky, nice little rotation in that linebacker room because I liked what I saw from O'Connell. Mm-hmm. Um, when I watch my linebacker, middle, especially middle linebacker, I like to see him in every tackle, diagnosing all the plays, like especially more in the run game. I like to see them diagnosing the run game and being in on every tackle, like Bobby did for all his career. And when I noticed him first, and I couldn't stop noticing him because he always seemed to be on every tackle, every good run stop, he will be at the bottom of the pile getting dragged back up. And I like that. Mm. I need to watch more of him. Again, watch it on my phone. I need to... Like, he's on my watch list. I want to take a proper good look at him. Um, but, yeah, there might be a sneaky few rotational pieces there. Um, just to talk about whilst we're there, like, boy, I thought, boy, Maffe looked yeah. really good. Yeah. Um, at first, initially, I said I, I didn't see much out of Mike Morris, but then mm. I've seen a few videos and a few breakdowns of tape and stuff and actually he did some really he did some sneakily really nice things he was when because boy Maffey got that tackle for lost didn't he mm-hmm. and it was it was solely because of Mike Morris breaking down mm. he broke broke down the interior what created he was driving his guy into the quarterback what gave Maffey the time to get to him and take him mm. on and, that on the first drive of the game, he nearly got the uh, the safety on Mullins, didn't he? Where uh, when they were backed up, yeah, yeah. Ends, he, he nearly forced the, the safety there. Um, so yeah, I, th- I thought he was impressive when he flashed, like like Mafia was. Um, like, cause yeah, my initial thing was I thought, mm, but really like what I saw there uh-huh. um, from his first game, only his first game, new position, getting used to his body, getting used to like full time reps and stuff. So. I f- I, he's just got that personality you love and you, he, he's like infectious where you know he's just going to grow and grow and grow with more experience. So he could be a dominator. Um, anyone else in the line, on the line? Uh, Derek Cole, he showed me... Flashes, he didn't do, yeah. He didn't, didn't do much, but on his... his um, on his, like... like What's the right word I'm looking for? On his moves and his setup and stuff, you, you saw what he can bring. He mm-hmm. just needs more time. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think really in the f- two first two phases, like of the defense, they were my highlight guys. Yeah. Um, and then the secondary. I thought Jarek Reed had a decent game at safety. Um, I thought he, let's he, just he give like... let's just give an honourable mention to the boy Kobe. Now that's what I'm talking about. Oh, I watched I watched that, and do you know what? You the more you watch it, the more you realise. Great diagnosis. Like I put uh, um, I put a link in Discord. 
where from the all 22 it shows it from different angles so it shows his whole read and process of that play and for someone who ain't that quick apparently according to Josh shout out Josh he diagnosed that play quite quickly and got there pretty fast maybe we've got some more speed in the boy but did that not just remind you and this is first first game we're hyped did that not just remind you of an Earl Thomas diagnosis and hit? It's an easy comparison to make, yeah. Earl just Earl lived on them hits. And I know it's nostalgic to keep on comparing to these guys, but what a hit. To me, I saw that hit and I just literally, all it, all the caption should have been is, I'm too good. I'm too good to be playing this many snaps in preseason. Like, I'm better than this motherfucker. Like, he destroyed that guy. And do you know what? Not just that. He did some, like, the touchdown. Some people say he was to blame. Some people say he didn't because, obviously, without talking to the players, they don't know who was meant to do what. Um. So some people said... No, it was Trey Brown's fault. People said, no, Kobe should have been in there supporting, helping. Um, but he did some really nice things from that safety spot. And yeah. it's so hard, but fucking, it, we've got a fucking plethora of riches, man. We do. We do. Like, it, it, where it, is he going to go? He shut me up from last week because I said, no, they won't, they won't play him at safety. He, he's not a safety. He's not got the build. We've signed Julian Love. What's the point of playing him at safety? And then they've gone and fucking played him at safety. So it shows what a coach I am. Um, but no, yeah, like, like I said, yeah, he, he, he was really good. Do, do you know what I'm going to just, just to add on my absolute gush fest over him is, do you know what the perfect thing I do with Colby? Keep him in the rotation. Keep him in the rotation in safety, in nickel. Just keep him in the rotation of safety in nickel. Almost wrap him up in cotton wool and thicken him up. Get some meat on his bones. If his frame allows it, get some meat on his bones because I feel like he needs to thicken up if he's going to be safety. Mm. Like, you know, what I saw between... Like you mentioned, Jarrett Reed and him, you could almost see there's potential there for them two to be essentially really cheap replacements for Adams and Diggs. Mm-hmm. But sorry for interrupting, I just had to get the Colby thing no. in. There. But Jarrett Reed. Reed, yeah, like I said, I thought it was really impressive. Like like you're saying there, it, it's a good way to segue into what I was like gonna say is is that um I think backups wise, we're looking really strong for when you either want to put Jamal into a sub package and bring someone else on to play safety, or if Jamal unfortunately touch what he doesn't but goes down injured again, um, if you've got Kobe who can come in and play safety, Jarek Reed's coming and play safety, there's there's you, you know, you, you have to have good backups. If we want to be the team we want to be starting this season and, and you know not just getting you know one and done anymore if we want to start going on deeper playoff runs you have to have strength and depth and um if if we've got two guys who maybe in their own right should be starters or could be starters at safety but because of the depth we've got and the strength of the starters in Jamal and, and Diggs who are both pro bowl 
players um, and Jamal, you know, an all pro player from the past, um, then if, if, if we've got that much sort of quality, you know, vying for reps and competition, that's an all, that can only be a good thing for us. The, the worst thing that can happen to us and when you're trying to go on a decent run and a playoff run and potentially a championship run is you lose a key player and nobody can come in and not replace him, but come in and stand in and hold their own. Um, if we've got people who can come in and hold their own and, and, and fill fill the hole and not you know be, make it become a complete weak spot in our defence that teams would just target. If we got guys who can at least come in and say, you know what, I'm, I might not be this guy, but I'm a I'm a damn good player in my own right, and you're not just gonna you know just gonna take the piss with me. You're not just gonna make it a weak spot on the defence to target. If Kobe and Jerry Reed can be that at, at safety in you know for Jerry in the rookie season, and then hopefully he develops into a better player going forward. But if that's just his role in in the rookie season, you know it it, it does. You know, it's an injury-prone position with, with unfortunately, injury-prone players that we've got playing those positions at the minute um, in Diggs and Adams. So um, it's it it's yeah it it, it there's, there's you have to have quality and depth and and that's that's the key thing for me. Um, but that those were um, those were all the guys I, I wanted to talk about really, Pet. So unless you've got any anything else that you wanted to, I was just thinking when you talk about the safety position, it just clicked to me. What the fountain of riches we got, and to see, I I was, I want to see more Jerry Reed, but I was really impressed with Jerry Reed. Without seeing his snap count, he seemed to be, he seemed to be on the field a lot. Mm. Like he seemed to be one of the stable staples on the field quite for quite a lot of that game. To me, that shows they have confidence in him, but also they want to see what they've got in him. And what I saw in him, the thing what impressed me the most. Except for the like, apart from the plays he made, was almost like his leadership in the secondary. Mm. He, he was like the anchor in the secondary, and he seemed so solid in a lot of what he did. Um, that impressed me. But whilst you were talking, it, it clicked to me in my head with Kobe. If Kobe has a good preseason at safety, and Jarrett Reed shows like development, improvement, same standard as the first game. Do you know what this means? This just means that when Jamal comes back, do you know how good, and I'll call this now, this early on, Jamal doesn't take the piss in coming back. We will be one of the best run defence units in the league because what the rotation in the secondary means is that position we've all wanted Jamal to do when he had the, was it nine and a half sack season? Mm. What they wanted to get back to last year when he got injured. Unlike last year, the whole, as stupid as it sounds, it pretty much looks like, and from things you heard in the off season, the whole defence was created around Jamal being able to roam and do what he did two years earlier when he got his nine and a half sacks. Um, They wanted to get back to that. And when he went down, that was like their, that was their, you know, that was their plan. And I've heard a few interviews and a few podcasts where it basically alluded to, he went down and it took them a while to, you know, get their structure back because yeah. they put all their chips in the Jamal basket. But what they've done great this year is they've got so much depth now that they can put them chips back in the basket, but it doesn't matter if he goes down again. 
because yeah. we've got so much depth. But you can play basically three safety sets, but you're not playing three safety sets. You're because Jamal is essentially his position is free roam. So it should be yeah. FM. It should be a brand new position because that's all he's gonna do. People are oh, the linebacker group, the linebacker core is really weak. It got me thinking for a hamstring, um, his injury and stuff, why is he not back yet? And it and I've seen video, I've seen like pictures of him and stuff from the thing, and he looks chunky. He looks mm. thicker. He, he in his head, his face, his neck, he he looks a lot thicker. Maybe because I've not seen him. Might be totally wrong here, but it looks like he's packed some size on. Now people are saying, I don't understand what they're doing at the linebacker position. Is it just possible that when he does come back, if they feel comfortable and Quandre feels comfortable with Julian Love, is Jamal actually just going to be a linebacker? Because I tell you, if him and Bobby are in the middle of the field, we will have one of the best run defences in that league. Because and when then when John Brooks together, comes back as well. Yeah. As long as he kept his speed, by his yeah. interview, he seems confident. He seems like he's still got his burst. Them three play that middle. And I'm not technical enough to know positioning and how it would work. But if you manage to get them three in the middle, there ain't no run. there ain't no running back getting through the middle. There is no running back in that league because when Bobby, the stats to prove it, when Bobby and Jamal are on the are on the field together, they are one of the most dynamic duos at stopping the run. Yep. I throw Brooks in there. I just honestly, it sounds like it's too. It just he just feels like it's too good to be true. But this defense could be a fucking unit. There's a there's a lot of household names on that linebacker group now with the. Uh, First round picks and 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 proven guys that it, it potentially if they all put it together that is a scary looking group. Um, Johnny so Johnny Radigan. Johnny Radigan Hall of Fame led the team in tackles. Yeah, I told you all. Um, yeah, I won't get too carried away with that one. Um, what I will say to end the podcast, by the way, I have to get this in because he's annoyed me. Fuck LJ Collier, right? Uh, I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry to end it on a negative. What note. a toss bag, mate. Fuck LJ Collier. You you. If anyone listens to this podcast, right? You know I you know I have a beamy bonnet about LJ Collier, right? And then he and then he leaves the Seahawks and he comes out with some absolute bullshit. Like Seattle wasn't my type of place. Um excuse me, Nobed. The only type of place that was akin to your presence was the injury room and the bench. It was it was your type of place, but A, you didn't make it your type of place. You had every chance to make it your type of place. You were lucky that the Seahawks held on to you for as long as we did. We flirted about trading you years ago, so and, and we stuck with you and gave you every ample opportunity to show your ability, prove your health, show that you can stay fit and contribute, and you never did. So to now come out, to go at the fucking Cardinals, one of the fucking biggest dumpster fires of an organisation in the NFL and say you feel at home there says everything says everything you feel at home at the Cardinals I love that I yeah. love that yeah I bet you do I bet you do because it's a shithole and a shit place it's a shit organisation so I bet you feel at home there mate because it's no coincidence that every if, if you've watched all the sound of the Seahawks all the stuff that Seahawks put out every guy who's been here for years every new guy every rookie 
They are all absolutely raving about the organisation, the place, the, the locker room, the culture. They love it. It's the ideal place. It's the best locker room they've ever been in, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you, you're saying me, it wasn't, it, you're telling us it wasn't your type of place. Well, OK, mate, we'll, we'll, we'll see you twice a year if you're fit and on the pitch, which I'm, I, I doubt you will be. Uh, so we'll probably see you in the in the corporate box or, you know, in, in whatever after the game when it's done, you know, because you're probably not going to be on the field, are you, LJ? Let's, let's be honest. Getting um, pancake blocked if he is on the field by fucking yeah, yeah. by he, cross or yeah, he spent more time modelling the, the new Seahawks training gear, bobble hats, coats, and all that hoodies on the sideline than he did suited up in Seahawks uniform. So we love to leave you, LJ Collier, and we love to leave you lot as as, as our lovely listeners. Uh, we're back for our, for our our game reviews as we always do. Uh, football is back. Our Pez's Rants are back, Pez's fucking rabbit holes are back, our side quests during podcasts, <laughs> during podcasts, during the, podcast, side, the, the, the side notes, the yeah, rabbit the holes, notes, the call you it can tell it. Josh isn't here because the, the swearing's gone the up, shackles are the off, rants the have gone up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the auditor's oh. not here. <laughs> the... <laughs> oh, fucking hell, oh. we love you Josh. Um, Listen, thank you all, as always, for tuning in with us. We love you all, whether it's via YouTube um, or whether you're an OG and you listen through Audio Wave, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, however you get us, we we appreciate and love you all the same. Um, but for now, we'll be back to talk about Week 2 Cowboys um, in pre-season, hopefully talking about another win, another Levi Bell standout, and maybe, just maybe some more fuck it. Matt Landers is out there from Holton Ayers. Uh, whatever happens, we'll be back to talk about it as always on the We Talk Seahawks podcast. Okay, it's Alton Ayers' 55-yard rushing touchdown. Uh, there you go. There you go. You've heard it here. You've heard it here. Look out for it. Um, <laughs> listen, go Hawks. Go Hawks. <laughs>